Good morning, church. Welcome. Um, we're going to begin our time as we usually do with Scripture, but this time you're just going to remain seated. Um, but uh, we're going to begin our time of worship this morning, hearing from God in Psalm 73. It says, I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do.
Would you stand to your feet and let's join in singing praise together. to him, the God of light, who forms the mountains by his might. All praise to him who names the stars that sing his fame in skies afar. All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above. Yes, bends to hear our every prayer with sovereign power and tender care. All praise to Him whose love is He in Christ the Son, the servant King behind his glorious throne to pay the ransom for his own. All praise to him who humbly came to bear our sorrow, sin, and shame, to live, to die, who died to rise, the all-sufficient sacrifice. of joy and holiness to father son and spirit now our souls we lift our wills we bow to you the triune god we raise with loving hearts our songs of praise to father son and spirit now our souls we live, our wills we bow, to you the triune God we raise, with loving hearts our songs of praise. Give him all praise, he is worthy. And let's continue singing together. We praise thee, O God, for the 
Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Spirit of light, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. I am Pastor Sean, and I am glad that you're here worshiping Christ together uh, with us. And we are here at Hebrew Baptist Church. We seek to glorify God by inviting everybody to take their next steps towards Christ. And that means if you're here today, and by invitation of a friend, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you today to look at the cross and see what Jesus has done for you and trust in faith in him. If you are a Christian who's been wanting to take your next step in your faith in many different ways, maybe it's learning to read the Bible, maybe it's learning to pray, maybe it's sharing your faith, going on mission, whatever that, we're inviting you to go deeper and trust in the Lord and take your next step. We're glad that you're here as we're worshiping this morning. Uh, we want to welcome you, especially if you're a guest this morning. We hope that you feel welcome and that you uh, uh, have already met a couple of my friends this morning. Uh, but if you are, this is your first time uh, visiting with us this morning. Right in front of the pew in front of you is something we call the Connect Card. If you could take that out and fill it out, 
uh, we would love to connect with you to uh, know that you're here and then after you filled it out at the end of our service don't do it right now but at the end of our service go through our double doors to the immediate left is our next steps desk and we would like to meet you there and if this is your first time visiting with us we have a gift waiting there for you so please uh, do that this morning uh, also we encourage you to be prepared for an offering at the end of our service we won't do that now but you can be praying and thinking how you might be doing that now well what we normally do in our act of worship is we pray the lord gives us the opportunity to come to the throne room and there's no greater way for us to do that this morning all together to pray to the lord so right now we're going to pray for ourselves for the world and for um for uh god to do great things in our midst so let's pray together this morning heavenly father we are thank you uh, we thank you that you sent your son jesus christ to create a community that we are invited into because you came and died on the cross for our sins and lord in inviting us into your family by dying on by, by dying the death we deserve lord we know that we come fully into this family of faith this morning to praise you to glorify your son jesus christ and to know that we together come to your throne room lord we are thankful that we can pray and honor you through prayer this morning and so lord we do pray we pray for ourselves this morning one of our values here at hebron baptist church is intentional discipleship and lord we're thankful that you have seen our need as believers that we know that we need to grow in our faith that if we look the pages of the bible we don't ever see a stagnant faith there but instead one who is deepening our relationship with you and Lord, in discipleship, we want to grow into looking more like your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would put in our hearts, each one of us, the desire for intentional discipleship. That we would both desire to be poured into by another believer, but also the desire to pour into the life of another believer. And Lord, we just pray, God, that as we support and encourage each other, that, Lord, you would help grow us in our faith, grow us as a church, and, Lord, that you would bless our relationships with one another. Thank you that our work, our walk, is not alone, but alongside brothers and sisters in our faith, along the same journey, that we have someone that we can turn to to encourage us, keep us accountable, and build us up in our faith, but that we, too, are doing are doing that work ourselves to others that we might grow the family of faith heavenly father we lift up uh, one who is doing that exact thing over in london right now we lift up alex brito and his wife aluana we pray lord for their mosaic multicultural church that meets in elephant and castle we're thankful for uh, the 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 uh, holiday that they've had over the last few weeks to recharge and that lord i pray as they transition back into their their church work that god you would protect their family because we know satan would would want to stop his work of leadership and that lord i just pray that you would protect the family because we know that satan likes to attack there we we pray that you would uh, protect the church uh, from the schemes of outside influences 
but God through the discipleship that I know that Alex is committed to there and encouraging the people's walk both teenagers and adults uh, young families and senior saints Lord because his commitment to the gospel we pray God that that church mosaic would flourish in elephant and castle and reach many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ Heavenly Father we lift up the concerns of our world we see much division in our world over many different things political issues uh, social issues financial issues but Lord help us as Christians to be a people of peace help us to see our our allegiances to you and not to be tossed about by the winds of this world help us to be agents of change but agents of peace help us to be in this world someone who points people to you Lord, we know that the ongoing conflict overseas sometimes gets lost, but we lift up those who are struggling. We pray, God, uh, for those who are struggling in this world, still eastern Kentucky, still being rebuilt, families who have been displaced and need, need help. We pray, God, even when the news, uh, the news lose sights of these things, help us to continue to lift these things to your throne. And Heavenly Father, we come to you because we knowingly even though our desire is discipleship that we know that we don't seek to grow sometimes we get lazy complacent and in these times Lord we know uh, that we don't seek to be intentionally discipled we sit on the sidelines and maybe we even turn down opportunities to pour in the lives of other people Sometimes we look for things more convenient or easy. But Lord, we know that, God, you have called us to a great cost of growing in you, to being discipled and discipling others. So Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would meet us in the place that we know where we have failed. Knowing we have failed, we come to a Savior who has died for us. That we don't wallow in shame, but instead we meet a Savior who forgives us, who overcomes this grief in our hearts, but instead lifts us up and encourages us to obey. So Lord, I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in it we know that when we confess, all these sins are as far as, as from the east as from the west. We're thankful for the gospel which forms us. We're thankful for the gospel that forgives us. And now we proclaim that gospel as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, let us be reminded as we stand and as we sing together, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Would you stand to your feet and let's rejoice in that together. Oh! 
copy of God's Word in your devices to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. If you'd like to follow along in the translation that I am reading from in the Pew Bible in front of you, it is page 862. 862. And we're looking at the miracles of Jesus. And last week, we kind of made a pit stop because that's where the text did. Jesus was showing his authority over all things as we read at the beginning of chapter 8. Several different healings that he did and showing his authority over these things and his willingness to heal and then he showed his authority over us as disciples as he called us to real discipleship a discipleship that is costly and today we're going to look at how Jesus uh, the wind and waves obey Jesus as we look at this we want to be reminded something I said in the first sermon of this series is the miracles always have a purpose 
there's always a reason that we read about them. God is teaching us about himself and something about his majesty. And in this today, this is the other challenge that we have to go beyond what we see of the wind and the waves and look to Jesus. So let's look at that together as we read verses 23 through 27. And he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, and the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Heavenly Father, I pray as we come to this text, something that either, a, either we have a passing knowledge of, we've read multiple times before, but God, we know that your word is true, and we know this account is here recorded for a reason. And by your sovereign plan, you have called us to look at this text today because you have a word for your people. So God, as we come to your text and come to your word, that is perfect. God, us by your spirit because we want to know it. We want to be assured in it. We want to live it. So Lord, as we leave this place after living and hearing your word, May we never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that when uh, my children were young, let's, let's just use Isabella as an example for this, that when they first get in the pool, they're overwhelmed by the size of it. And uh, I'm holding Isabella. She's probably, you know, two or two and a half, something like that. And, and uh, so she, she hasn't learned to swim yet. She's got swimmies on, but... But her only experience in it is me holding her. And so we're, we're just standing in the shallow end, and we're just talking, and then uh, I'm explaining to her, this is the shallow end, and this is the deeper. And, and so I start to go, you know, kind of tease her a little bit. I'm like, all right, we're going to go deeper and deeper, and kind of just slowly walking in. And uh, as, you know, the water is rising, she starts to laugh at first, and then she sees the water's getting a little higher, and she starts to get a little, little panic-stricken, and, and then she's like, no, Daddy, no further, no further. She thinks that knowing that she's in that deep water, that she's totally out of control. Well, if she really had a big picture of where she started and where she is, she really has been out of control the whole time. Because of her height and her age, even in the shallow end, the water would be way over her head. And her confidence or her control is actually me who's holding her. Often, in the same way, at various points of our lives, we feel like that we're out of our depth. Something changes unexpectedly. A loss of a loved one, a change in a job, a change in just a relationship. Something totally unexpected happens, and we feel like 
we're all of a sudden out of control. But if we really take a step back and consider what's going on, we have never been in control to begin with. God is always in control. God is always carrying us. God is always the foundation of our faith. And by his grace, God has not changed. And God is never out of his depth. He is always faithful and sure. In today's text, we see the disciples believe that Jesus can save them, but they become panic-stricken because they put their eyes on the storm instead of remembering the control of a Savior. We are reminded here that they're a physical storm on the outside of them matched the spiritual storm that was happening inside of them. And it's at this point, if you're reading this text, or maybe you've been in a, in a worship service, or maybe you've read a devotional, where do they normally go when they hear this sermon? Look to Jesus. He'll calm every storm in your life. Whatever you're facing, whatever marriage problem, whatever issue that you're going through, Jesus will calm the storm in your life. Only problem with that not really the point of the text and it's not what God's teaching us about himself he's teaching us about Jesus it's teaching us that even though the obvious answer is yes there was a storm calmed look at the question in verse 27 what do they pose what kind of man is this that the seas and the wind obey him. What is the purpose of this? The purpose of this is for us to think and consider who Jesus is in the midst of our storm. That the disciples in that moment were good Jewish men and they knew that they, this God gets up and calms the storm but they know from their teaching from when they were really young that only God has the power to do this in Psalm 107 29 he says he instilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed Psalm 107 is about God doing miraculous things that only God can do Jesus disciples marveled because they began to realize that the man in the boat with them was not just a man God himself was in the boat with them and that's the point of the story that Jesus is God and the authority that belongs to God is the same authority that Jesus has and when we acknowledge this this is when we can trust God in the deep waters of life it is in knowing this that when everything around us seems out of control that God is in control it is in this passage that we understand that Jesus is God with all authority. And knowing this helps us to trust in him through all things. So in this passage then, we see that there are three results that encourage us in our lives when we are reminded that Jesus is God with all authority. So if you're taking notes on the bulletin or in your phones, number one. 
knowing that Jesus is God with all authority, you can rest easy. Knowing that Jesus is God with all authority, you can rest easy. Well, just to know where we are, in the verses previous to this, Jesus had had a large crowd. He was being pressed from every side. He had commanded the disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. He knew his ministry was waiting across there, so he decided to go across the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee was eight miles across in width and about 12 to 13 in length, but it would have taken them days to walk around the sea. Instead, what's the shortest distance between two lines? Is a is a straight line, and so they went across the sea. Well, he has fishermen in his group. Hey, what an easy idea for this to do. Let's get in the boat and go across. And something happens in the midst of this travel. The, the, a bad storm violently, it says, comes on top of them. It says a violent storm, that the waters were coming and over, overwhelming the top of even the boat itself. This is normal in the Sea of Galilee. Violent squalls will come from time to time. The sea is 600 feet uh, below sea level, and the heat rising meets the air, and boom, a storm can happen. As it is described in Matthew that this storm was so bad that it is washing to and fro, that the waves are overwhelming, it is amazing that anyone could be sleeping in the midst of this storm. There are several reasons that Jesus is sleeping at this point. He's tired. (laughs) He's just exhausted. He's clothed himself with humanity, and he knows every bit of the exhaustion that we feel. He's healed people. He's cast out demons. He's had called people to discipleship. He is not a, a, a head, he's not a, a, a roof over his head, as he says. He is exhausted, and he's tired. But furthermore, what do we see in Jesus? Jesus sleeps with a Trinitarian confidence. Jesus, who is fully God and is part of the Godhead, knows that the father is still at work that the father is in control that the ministry of the holy spirit is still moving just because he's asleep he has a confidence and a rest in god that he knows that god is in control and knowing that god has a plan for his life one that included the cross He knew and slept with confidence that this would not be his end. Brother and sister, this is the same confidence that we can rest in when we face troubles in life. We have the same Trinitarian confidence that our Lord can because Jesus died for us and our sin to give us a glorious future. God, who is purposing all things, he knows our days and is working things out for his glory. The Spirit is within us, assuring us of all these things that God is in control, and he is, he is, he is the person we can trust in the same way as God trusted in his Father and his sovereign plan for his life, we can as well. And when we understand and know that God has all authority and Jesus has all authority, then we can rest 
easy. Charles Spurgeon has just the wonderful ways of words when he looks at things and he says, Jesus slept here in the weakness of humanity and here is also the strength of faith. Jesus went to sleep because that boat was in his father's hands and he would take care of it. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to go to bed. You are worrying and troubling yourself and you can do nothing? Go to sleep. It's the climax of faith to be able to shake off all care and feel, if the Lord cares for me, why should I not sleep? To sleep was the best thing Jesus could do to renew his bodily energies and to prepare himself for the time when his efforts would be needed for the deliverance of his disciples from danger. Brothers and sisters, this is a great principle for us that we trust in God's power and providence and plan and sovereignty that we do the things that we know that we can do and leave the rest up to him any of us can control the weather in here you know okay I've heard some claim of you that if you you, you can control the weather if you're going to plan to uh, wash your car then we know that we can expect rain that day but we know that in all things we cannot control right so let's do the things that God has called us to do and trust in the things that only he can do sleeping is that ultimate sign of trust in God why because that is when you're most vulnerable for six to eight hours, you are dead. You have no awareness of anything around you. You have succumbed and given everything to God. Whatever happens in the night, whatever happens in your room, whatever happens in your house, you are trusting in the most way because you are comatose. And in this, you are trusting in God to be controlled. And in the same way, when we know that we come against things that we cannot control, brothers and sisters, we need to be at rest. Be at rest in God and His control. Brother and sister, you too can rest knowing that God is in control of your life because God has authority to even make sure that everything is working, that we can trust in Him. So let me just ask you this question. What is it and what is the thing that you're losing sleep over right now? What is the thing that you cannot or have not been given an easy mind over? Well, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing. Now, let me just remind you because I'm, I know there's some wiry translations out there and most of those translations are our own eisegesis into something meaning i have made it say that thing no anxious for nothing not some things not financial things not not everything but financial things not everything but family things not everything but parenting things not every, no, there, there's no buts there be anxious for nothing and present your requests to God and trust in him and what does the scripture say 
the peace of God will transcend your minds and hearts and you will be at rest this is the command to trust in why because the wind and seas obey him the authority of God the authority of Christ is at work in your life and you can trust him take rest dear saint be at rest brother or sister trust in God we can rest easy knowing that God is faithful and God is in control number two knowing that Jesus is God with all authority have great faith the two go hand in hand you cannot rest without having great faith that he's going to do what he says he will do knowing that God Jesus is God with all authority have great faith what happens in verse 26 well verse 25 the disciples say come wake him up which is a good thing they knew who had the answers they went to Jesus Lord save us we're going to die he said to them why are you afraid you of little faith now look at that interesting back and forth you notice something you know I don't know how you get woken up in the middle of the night you know one spouse might wake up gently how, oh you know a child comes in the room oh dear child how are you how can I help you others of us are what are you doing in my room I, oh oh gosh <laughs> well now, Jesus responds in a way that is kind of weird as one commentator put it he says he does not chide them for disturbing him with their prayers but for disturbing themselves with their fears he, he didn't get upset because they woke him up he got upset because they had little faith you of little faith he cries why are you so afraid now these words little faith we might think well is it the quantity of faith or but no I believe what Jesus is talking about is the impoverished nature of the faith. One in which the faith is little in God working. Some small fear and trepidation is perfectly sensible. Get in your car with your, your newly 16-year-old who's starting to drive. It, it's okay to be a little fearful. But true fear or true faith is true faith is cast out in irrational fear you see irrational fear resists comfort irrational fear forgets God irrational fear does not respond in faith it extinguishes it so godly fear recognizes a threat at hand but is tempered with confidence in God so when dangers loom, we should remember that God masters the storm. And that's the lesson here. Faith is to be without fear. But positively, maybe we would say it's a form of bravery in Christ. The Bible consistently teaches this. In the New Testament, it's not just a passive confidence in truths or a weak resignation that just believes no, it's a faith that has courageous confidence 
that Jesus is always up to the occasion. That God is always in control. And Jesus is always better than our fears. Moreover, our faith will be most stable when we center it on who Jesus is. Faith urgently needs to know not so much what Jesus will do, but knowing who Jesus is. That when something goes wrong, we can trust that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is in control. Jesus is above all things. That Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. If we believe in all these things, then we can face anything with faith and confidence in Him. The Christian must learn that knowing the authentic Jesus is better and it will strengthen all of our faith. There's a Thomas Watson, a Puritan, a quote that we have up in our house, and it's this. A weak faith can lay hold on a strong Christ. That even if you can only muster up a mustard seed of faith, we can lay hold of a strong Christ who will get us through the storm. When we discover with increasing delight that Jesus is always more wonderful than we anticipated. So maybe right now, brother or sister, what you need to do is to pray, not necessarily for your, your consequences, sorry, your circumstances to change, though that is a prayer you can pray. Maybe the prayer you need to pray is for your faith in Jesus to increase. Like the father that we'll read about later in chapter 9 who, whose son was possessed by a demon and came to Jesus. Maybe we should be like this. In verse 23, Jesus said to him, if, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the boy cries out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's what we need to cry out to God. And maybe what you're in right now, your cry needs to be, God, help increase my faith in you. See, our anxiety comes when we look at the problem and not enough at the person who can fix it. So you need to have great faith in him. Do you know that in chapters 8 through 9 that Jesus actually squashes every possible fear we could drum up if you were to take and we were to, uh, to to poll our some of our biblical counselors here and other biblical counselors and take like the top 10 of things that people worry about well through chapters 8 and 9 Jesus shows he has authority over all of them terminal illness in chapter 8 when the leper comes to him he heals it the death of a loved one the soldiers uh, the soldiers are the boy that we just talked about Jesus answers it. The physical discomfort and sickness, Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus takes care of it. Spiritual oppression, he puts out the demon. Jesus takes care of it. Financial security, when the scribe is wanting to follow Jesus to get financial security, Jesus says, don't worry about it, you need to follow me. What about physical safety? He calms the storm. Spiritual warfare, Jesus takes care of it. Loss of reputation, 
Jesus has, is the answer. Suffering of a child, Jesus heals it. And the permanent disability, Jesus is over it. What we see is, is we look at the problems and we forget to look at the Savior who can take care of it. So now we see the point of the story is clear. The promise is not that the storms of your life will end soon, but that you have a God who is walking with you through it. And you can have confidence in Him. As a believer, your confidence is not that these storms will come and pass quickly, though the Bible tells us it will. But in the midst of the storms of your life, you are never alone that you need to increase your faith in the one who died for you and is the God over all. God himself and the person of Jesus Christ will be with you every step in the midst of the storm. So our faith must increase and trust in him and not look at the storm, but look at the Savior who's in control. So number three, knowing that Jesus is God with all authority, submit all of your life to him. Submit all of your life to him. At the end of our passage, Jesus gets up in verse 26. He rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the seas obey him. Having dealt with the troubled disciples, Jesus turned to the boisterous winds and troubled them and rebuked them. It's a very surprising word here, rebuke. This indicates that Jesus knew that this was an evil force or tempest that has, has been tempted to put his disciples in peril or to weaken their faith. And he deals with that force as being sovereign over it. He says, be still. And they were still. As, as a matter of fact, the literal translation in, my, in the CSB says a great calm. The literal translation is it became perfectly calm. Can you imagine the winds and the waves uh, 20, 25, 30 feet high and all of a sudden in an instant, calm. Brothers and sisters, this was not a gradual uh, lessening, but a sudden cessation of the storm's activity. Jesus spoke, and nature said, yes, sir, and stopped. And brothers and sisters, the question for us is, is even nature is submissive to Christ, then we should be too in the midst of of our storms since this story ends with the disciples questions the clear main point is Christological that this is about Jesus who is this man at one moment he's asleep the next moment he, he we know he's overcome with exhaustion he's clearly a normal man the next time he's he's kind of rebuking his disciples then he rebukes the winds and the waves which is only something God can do so the question to us is, who is Jesus to me? Who is he? Do I come to him because I just want to feel good about myself? 
Do I come to Jesus because I think some of his sayings are pretty cool? Or do I come to Jesus who is Lord and taking the goodness of our salvation comes from him, but he is also the king over all things. So the question is, who is Jesus to you? And if you believe in him, then you need to look at even the disasters in your life with gospel lenses. You need to know that it was in Christ that he came to you, that he came to you not in your best place, not in your your most made-up place, not in your perfect place, not in the place where you have, have achieved the most, but Jesus came to you in your sin when you were furthest from him, when you were against him. Jesus came from heaven, and Jesus died on the cross for that those who would believe in him, he would take their sin upon him, and he would put it to death and forgive it. Three days later, he rose again, showing his power over sin and death. And because of this, brothers and sisters, because we acknowledge as believers that we have been hit with this overwhelming wave of love of Jesus, then in any storm, we know that we can trust in him. Because the love we have received, we have confidence to face anything. 1 John 4, 18 through 19 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. Brothers and sisters, fear does not overwhelm a Christian because we are full of the love of God. And Christ in us, we can face any trial or problem because of the Savior who lives in us. So therefore, we must submit all things in our life to him. Having seen his power to save and the evidence of love, we should trust him absolutely. So instead of trying to fix things with our power plays, our lobbying, or our attempts to intimidate and force things, we put these things into powerful nail-scarred hands. We turn to prayer rather than weapons of this world. Instead of panicking in tough times, we will trust God's wisdom, His power, His staggering love. Even when we don't understand, we will trust in Him so much that we might even take a nap. Instead of grumbling about difficult circumstances, we wait, we watch, we listen, and we see what God is doing. We look for opportunities to honor the Lord in the time of crisis. And instead of punishing others for their offenses against us, we forgive as we have been forgiven. Instead of running away in anger because things did not go our way, we draw closer to Him knowing that he alone is our refuge and strength. So this passage, brother and sister, reminds us that Jesus is more powerful than any storm that we will face. 
but we must not think that this account is meant to merely give us strength for hard times the focus of this passage is not us it's him it's not about our problems it's about his greatness but the irony is this the more clearly we see him the more minor we see our problems maybe today you came as an invitation of a friend maybe you came and you just stumbled online to Hebrew Baptist Church whatever that reason you are not here by happenstance maybe you've been caught up in fear in your life and you have no anchor or buoy to hang on because you don't have God in your life you've never trusted him you've never asked him for forgiveness he's far away from you well here's the good news Jesus came to earth to be near to you and he died on the cross for you if you turn to faith in him then today you will have an anchor that will over that will hold you through any storm but most importantly Jesus will forgive you of your sins make you his child give you heaven for all eternity and you will be his evermore you will also right now have the assurance of your faith and know that Jesus holds you fast. And knowing this, you can turn to Jesus and fully trust him right now, and you can be his. Brother, sister, if you are here today and you are far from him, trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in him, and he will see you through. Brother and sister, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, make it your effort to look to Jesus. Look to Him. Whatever you're going through, whatever problem as a parent or as a spouse or, or a job or, or whatever, you know that there is something that you know that you feel that you're out of control. Praise God you know the one who is don't look away from him but hold on to him for the next storm that you face know that he is in your midst and he is in control let us pray heavenly father thank you so much for the word and this word that you as a savior are with us that we don't have to be afraid or overwhelmed but instead we know you who is the anchor in the storm we know you Christ who is sure we know you Christ who is God and controls all things we know you God who is holding us up with your omnipotent right hand that you are our refuge and strength our help in time of need that you alone we can hold on to and thank you God that you are with us that we can turn to you we praise you for this, and we give our life in submission to you, so that when the next storm comes, we are not overwhelmed with fear, but we respond in great faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, and let's respond in faith together.
and lift up Christ, our steady anchor. the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm. When the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn. In the suffering, in the sorrow, when my seeking hopes are few, I will hold shall never be renewed. Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages on, when temptation claims the battle and it seems the night has won. Still then goes the anchor, though I justly stand accused, I will hold fast to the anchor, it shall never be wrong.
just a minute, we're going to take up an offering. So if you want to prepare for that, I have just a few quick announcements. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, I was glad the choir was singing today. But I want to say uh, thank you for God's choir singing today. Uh, the sanctuary, for, for all of you all singing to the Lord. What, a, what an encouragement to my faith and encouragement as we sing. Because we know worship is participatory. It is God's people singing. So we're thankful uh, for that. And uh, so anyways, just, just an observation sitting over here. Uh, on over here. Uh, anyways, a couple quick announcements. Try to remember these. First of all, next week is exciting. Gospel to Every Home kicks off our fall launch. And so we hope that you'll take time to be part of this. Maybe your life group will come or maybe you come. Uh, if you have never done it before, we promise you we will not send you out uh, by yourself. We will put you with someone that will help you, mentor you, and go through it. Uh, but we hope that you'd come as we go to every home in our 41048 area code and knock on doors so we we need more people helping us get to those doors so come next sat sunday excuse me next sunday from four to six uh second next uh, two sundays is a huge day in the life of our church uh, first of all it is back to church day uh, hopefully you saw a slide about that or you've heard about that in your life groups it's a day to invite someone to church with you that day someone who is disconnected from church someone who maybe doesn't know christ invite them to church with you that day and then also that afternoon we'll be having our church-wide picnic so we hope that you can bring them at mostly for worship but hopefully also for picnic and also that day uh, the church is going to provide hot dogs for the picnic that day but we need you all to supply the side so today uh, on your way out please remember to do this go across the hallway and sign up for a side Deraid will be out there to make sure he know you know where to put your john hancock on and put what you're going to bring and so make sure that you sign up um, today now we're going to do a couple things so don't forget to do that sign up to be part of our picnic, to fellowship, but also what you're going to bring on the 18th. Uh, also, just a quick reminder that the office is closed tomorrow for the holiday, and so uh, we hope that you all have a great holiday for those of you who get to be off tomorrow. Now, today, we're about to take our offering. This is another, another opportunity of worship. We give our tithes and offerings. And do you know, did you know, that every month we have members, uh, people of our community, who call the church for financial assistance and help. Every month we have, what, two or three calls that speak to our deacons to get help. Well, how do we help them? Well, it's from your faithful giving through your tithes and offerings. And so you get to help the community as your faithfulness to give. And we hope that you will give today as, as an act of worship. And it gives us an opportunity to help our community. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we take the offering. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you give us and the opportunities that we give to help those in need in our community. Lord, we're thankful for the, the food pantry, but we're also thankful for the opportunities to give when someone needs a bill paid or, or behind on rent or uh, overwhelmed for needs for their child. So Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity, and that help comes as we are faithful through our giving. So Lord, bless the gift and the giver to multiply in Jesus' name. Amen.
Christ the crucified risen reigning at the Father's side it's foolishness to those who cannot see blinded by the lies they have believed so let the church arise let the anthem all the world has heard Christ the risen King, song of the redeemed, only we shall sing. The hope of all the world is Christ the risen King. We, we are not ashamed, for the gospel is the power of God to Thank you for singing. Go with God.